Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, everyone. This is Last Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and we're back on this episode Ben Gulker and I talk about the Boyan Bogdanovich trade. We give our thoughts on the Pistons media day performance and we dole out some over-unders for how we think things are going to go this season. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit bad boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. back uh welcome to this week's episode of the detroit bad boys podcast i am your host lazarus jackson pleased as always to be joined by my usual co-host ben gulker ben it's been a while welcome back how have you been yeah man good to be talking to you it's been a it's been a little while yeah but basketball is back in a couple days so so we're back good to be good to be talking with you man we're doing we're doing good over here in michigan how are you guys doing you dodging the uh torrential rainfall where you are at it rained like all day friday all day friday and then uh it was very windy this whole weekend but uh yeah we dodged any like major power outages or anything like that so uh it's been it was pretty safe uh down here which we felt very uh very fortunate because that hasn't always been the case but that's uh, good yeah it's good to it's good to do um pistons have an open practice today uh, we are recording at like right as the open practice is scheduled to start. So I hope that uh, by the time we're done recording, like nobody like twisted an ankle or did anything crazy in, in open practice and we don't know about it. But uh, just to give you a sense of uh, when we are recording. Um, but yeah, so it's it's been so long that we have a lot to get through, Ben. First thing, I think the biggest thing we should talk about that we haven't talked about yet is the Boyan Bogdanovich trade. Boyan Bogdanovich for Kelly Olenek and Saban Lee straight up. What do you think of this move, Ben? Yeah, I like it. I mean, pretty roundly praised. Pistons media, Pistons fans, national media, I think everyone pretty likes it. Financial flexibility makes some sense out of the big man rotation. Gives us the shooting that I think is pretty much desperately needed. I like it. Wins pretty much all around. And I think, too, um, you know, the, the financial flexibility I think people are looking at next summer but I, I think also potentially a pretty desirable asset at the trade deadline as well so I, I think this is a win all the way around what do you think class I like the move a lot uh, I wonder about the uh, the future financial flexibility uh, it was reported that he is seeking like of course you know he's 33s on the back half of his career and he wants a, a relatively like long-term deal for his next contract. Um, and there were some reports that like the Pistons were interested in giving that to him. And it's like, 
I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but uh, that's uh, we'll we'll test run this season to see how it goes. But yeah, just having more shooting around Cade is big. Um, clearing up the starting what the starting rotation is going to look like because before we were you know are they going to play two bigs? Is Isaiah Livers going to start? So now being able to just slide that guy in on the wing and having a lot more clarity around the starting lineup, I think, is really good. Um, one thing I am concerned about, and this is something that uh, I thought, like when I was thinking about like, oh, what, what should I like write down as concerns? It's like your voice and Bryce's voice like echoed in my head. It's like rebounding. Boyan, not a great rebounder. Stewart, good, good rebounder, but like not an elite level rebounder. Uh, Sadiq Bay, like a, a fairly decent rebounder for a three, but like not an amazing rebounder for a four. So like we we might be subjected then to another season of the Pistons being a uh, subpar rebounding team. Yeah, I mean, there, so there's this school of thought in analytics about rebounding not necessarily being an individual skill and more being about effort and more being about a team level skill than an individual level skill. I haven't harped about this a lot, but there have been some hires in the analytics department that have maybe been, um, they let's just say, put it this way, they brought some people on who made me think that maybe the analytics department is sort of of that school of thought. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd be curious to talk to some of those folks someday, see, see if maybe that's the case. Um, or maybe I'm just reading too much into it because <laughs> of my individual uh, biases. But yeah, I mean, this is not going to be a team that excels, I think, as a rebounding team. It's going to be a team that requires sort of a gang rebounding approach. I think they sort of make up for it in the fact that they have guys who are in the backcourt and potentially playing small forward um, that can compensate for some of that. I mean, they're Killian's a good rebounder at the guard position. Cade's been a good rebounder at the guard position. So they do compensate and make up for it a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, this is not going to be a team that is dominating the defensive class, that's for sure. What uh, I know I know Sammy Gelfin left. Uh, what, what were the hires in the in the analytics department that gave you uh, not maybe not gave you pause, but like made you uh, interpret uh, their de-emphasizing like the, the offensive glass? Well, so you just mentioned the one. Um, yeah, I'd have to kind of go back through and it'd be a good question to go back through and look at the, the history of the hires of all the various people who have come in, in and out over the years. So actually, um, <laughs> I'll start at the top. So. So Troy himself is a guy who has actually some of his comments, some of his um, pedigree. I'll guess I guess I'll just put it that way without diving too much into the weeds. Um, his pedigree, where he came from in OKC, the, the analytics approaches that they took in Oklahoma City have always been a little bit concerning to me. Just around uh, this comment, um, or around around this issue, not this comment, around this issue. Um, you mentioned the one name just now that I think has given me a little bit of concern. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as you've watched too, if, if we make this less about individual names of hires, if we make this more about the way that they've built the team, I, I think it's an issue as well. Um, no, that's fair. Gelfand got promoted. He got a, what, uh, he left for a better job. A, a higher position in New Orleans, and so like that's you know not something that you can uh, do much about. I mean, similar thing with uh, Sachin Sachin Gupta a couple of years back. Remember he? I think he's now like he's now uh, the second in command under uh, Tim Connolly, if I remember yeah. correctly, in Minnesota. I'm and just, so maybe yeah. you hear reluctance in my voice to like call out names. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like I'm giving you this really reluctant <laughs> sort of talking around the corporate speak. I, I don't want to call out names, but like, yeah, I mean, it's just a philosophical approach that's very different. Um, yeah, Troy, but at the Troy same time, Weaver, like Duran, like scout. yeah, like I mean, Duran is like a like you look at Jalen Duran. He's a guy who could potentially blow up this this philosophy that i'm talking about right like he's just a prototypical big man who's potentially mm-hmm. going to grab every rebound that's within 10 feet of him so mm-hmm. it, it could be wrong like i could just be flat out wrong about this right but this particular roster looks particularly weak at least at the power forward position right like bagley's not a particularly good rebounder but then noel i mean he's been a solid rebounder throughout his career and Durin could be a very good rebounder so we'll have to see how it plays out no absolutely and i think they're there was a big emphasis from our side, at least, about how 
Duran has, you know, all the tools to be an amazing rebounder, but he's still going to have to learn some of like the technical finer points of boxing out and like seeking contact and like being uh, deciding when to be aggressive on the offensive glass without fouling, which is going to be a huge issue for him as an 18 year old big man. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think we will just have to see like how, how it plays out for sure. But just that is one thing that just having a front court of, all guys under six eight, like, just makes me believe that, like, or six eight or under, is just like, yeah, it's probably not going to be like an amazing rebounding team to start. Uh, Media day, media day was uh, last week. It was fairly anodyne, as media days tend to be. Um, you know, everyone's happy, everyone's super excited about their role. Everyone lost fifteen pounds of fat and gained fifteen <laughs> pounds of muscle. Um, you know, you, the quotes are just like really bland, but. Uh, the thing that stood out to me was the belief in Cade Cunningham's development that we saw Dwayne Casey and Troy Weaver kind of point to as a reason why they think they're ready to be competitive. Competitive was the the word of the day. Uh, what, what, if anything, stood out to you about uh, the team's comments during media day, Ben? Yeah, well, let's piggyback on competitive. I mean, first of all, I think this is pretty clear signaling to the fan base that the tanking is over, right? Yeah. I mean, that, Yep. reading between the line that, that we're not losing games on purpose anymore. We're not angling for that yep. top three to five draft position. I think that's exciting. I mean, that's, that signals that we're, we're through that phase of the rebuild and the restoration. And we are now adding the pieces that we want to add to build around the foundation that we have in place. So I think that's exciting. I think the flip side of that coin is, um, you know, I wouldn't read too much into the fact that we're, now pushing for the playoffs or the play in now. I don't think that's the, the immediate next step. I don't think that's where that team is now. But hopefully that means less of the ugly blowouts, right? I mean, less of those games where you're fielding these really awful lineups where things don't make sense and you're losing by 20 and 30 points and you're just not in game. So I, I think that's exciting. I think that's what competitive means. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Cade obviously – looks like a man i mean he looked lanky and skinny as a rookie he he looks tough i'm excited to see how that translates in the paint Laz, we've talked about how he kind of avoided contact Mm -hmm. anxious to see if that translates into seeking out contact i'm anxious to see also how that uh translates into dealing with double teams that he faced so frequently um isaiah stewart at the four uh, i'm uh, I don't know how I feel about Isaiah Stewart at the four, but I I like the fact that he's going to have the green light to shoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking about last year, how much we talked about him wanting to shoot the basketball. I think those conversations last year probably mean he didn't have the green light last year. He's got the green light this year. That could be interesting. Let's see how that goes. Um, I, I'm also interested a little bit about some of some of Casey's comments and also Weaver's comments about Casey. I think Casey's going to have the green light to um, play to win a little bit more. So I think the young guys are going to have a little bit of a shorter lease at times, right? So mm-hmm. I'm curious to see what this means for Jaden Ivy. Right? If Jaden's struggling defensively, if he's having games where things aren't clicking offensively, he's struggling with turnovers. What will that mean for his freedom to play through it versus mm-hmm. – uh, sit through it versus play through it, right? Um, what will that mean for Jalen Duran? Um, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get a little bit to the over/under. So those are the things that jumped out to me. To me, Les, um, I think this will be a season that feels a little bit different. You know, wins and losses might not be a huge different, but I think it's going to feel different uh, than the last two have been. At least that those were my my uh, my takeaways from media. Yeah, I like I like the point you brought up about the freedom guys will have to play through mistakes and that being in conflict with wanting to win more games. Um, I do think this is a team that wants to win more than they did last year. They like all but I think Troy Weaver said something to the effect of like we're not going to be jockeying for draft position, which is you know exciting to hear as a fan. Even if I don't think they're going to make the play in. Um, and you, you don't make a trade like the trade they made for Bogdanovich if you're preparing to lose, you know, 60 games again. And so, like, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that that point. 
Um, but I do wonder, like they, they also talk so much about how their progression is going to have to come from internal development and from like some of the talent that they've brought in. And, you know, if, if Jaden Ivey is going to be a really big part of this team moving forward, you're going to have to let him play through some mistakes, right? You, uh, if you don't, it's like, I think they would be happy making the play in, but I don't think that's an expectation for this team going into the season. Um, and because it's not an expectation going into the team for this season, it's like you can lean on Alec Burks in December and January. It's like you should not be leaning on Alec Burks like too much in February and March, right? Like the uh, Jaden Ivy should be getting uh, the the run he needs to be able to make that internal development that they've they've prioritized in, in this offseason. Um, Stu at the four. I think the Bogdanovich trade also clears up some of that. I hope we see less of that. I mean, like maybe we see some Stuart Duran lineups, but again, I think that'll be like later in the year. Um, I'm I'm glad. I think this puts the kibosh on a lot of like Stuart Bagley lineups, which were Oof. really yeah really bad defensively last yeah. season, and like not even if Stuart is operating like as the floor spacer is like I you know they weren't those lineups weren't good enough offensively last season either to to be really contributing uh, on either end. And so like that, that'll be tough. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, but I am excited about Stewart, not even like the shooting, just finding a way to be a consistent contributor offensively, right? Like mm-hmm. that was the thing we talked about so often. It's just like the offense was stuck in the mud a lot of the time with him on the floor last year, just because he, he wouldn't shoot. And he wasn't really a dive threat, and so teams could just hone in on our guards, on our uh, on our ball handlers, uh, and just like leave him open and let him like do whatever he wants to do uh, offensively. Now, I think with when he starts firing away, teams will start having to account for that defensively, and that will open things up for the other players on the floor with him. So, I'm excited about that, even if it takes place at the four uh, next to next to Marvin Beckley. Um, the we did. We talked a little bit about Alec Burks. Alec Burks is rehabbing a navicular fracture, and so he's like participating in training camp. I saw like some there. There's video of him like getting shots up and practicing and stuff, but he's not a full go. And then uh, Kevin Knox and Nerlens Noel are also going to have limited camp participation. Uh, ben, those are like the eleventh and twelfth guys I want to see in the rotation. Does that matter to you at all that Kevin Knox and Nerlens Noel are not going to be fully? Uh, integrated into the team at the start of the season no and those guys are vets right i mean these are guys that if you're counting on them you're you're to call kevin knox a vet at this point it it is but he is (laughs) right like i mean those are guys who you're hoping they can they can pick up on your schemes as much through tape and knowledge and walkthroughs as full five on five like you know scrimmaging right like i mean you need your rookies doing the full speed stuff. You're hoping your vets can pick it up um, a little more quickly through some of the other stuff. So I, I'm not worried about that stuff. All right, perfect. Um, training camp news uh, that makes me sad. Killian Hayes uh, redid his shot, and we got video of his redone shot, and it looks kind of scary. Yeah. Uh, that is that is not the shot of someone who's confident about uh, his abilities. Um, how, how are you feeling? Did you see, A, did you see the video of Killian shot and B, like, how, how were you feeling about it? Yeah. I mean, hard not to see that video floating around on Twitter. Um, yeah, I mean, I read James article, which I mean, always James is putting out some of the best stuff. James Edwards, the third, um, if somehow you, you don't have a subscription to the athletic, he's a, he's a must follow and a must, must read for the course of the season in particular. Um, you know, here, here's the counterbalance last to some of the anxiety, maybe. Um, I'm feeling like a fan who read one article and watched two releases without seeing what the ball did at the rim. So I'm going to leave it there until I see some preseason games this week. And, and that's what I'm going to say. That That's totally fair. I do also want to see some live speed reps of what his shot looks like. I remember, or I was reminded of uh, training camp last season where he was shooting with that super exaggerated base. Remember, he was shooting like with a super wide base. And then when he actually came out and shot in live action, it did not look as much like that. 
And so we're we're going to have to see uh, how it looks. But this is a big year for Killian. The the team did pick up his fourth year option, um, but you know this is a this is going to be a defining year about whether or not he has a role uh, off a he's able to find like a more all clear offensive role for this team moving forward. Um, and so like yeah, I I hope uh, whatever changes him and his team and the Pistons that. They did mention that uh, in James's story that there was a collaborative effort between you know the Pistons coaches and his own trainers about what needed to change about his shot. So that that is encouraging. But yeah, this is a, this is a big season for him, and I hope that those changes uh, are implemented properly and, and are able to be effective for sure. Uh, all right, Ben, I wanted to do something a little bit fun uh, towards the end of the podcast. I wanted to do some over unders. Um, just to get a sense of like where we think this team is at, like heading into the season. Um, and so the first one's the easiest, obviously. The Pistons uh, over under on DraftKings is at 29 and a half. Uh, we both don't think this team is going to push the for the play in, but like I don't know necessarily like where you are on an exact number. So over under 29 and a half wins for the Pistons this season, Ben. Yeah, it, it moved up a little bit right after the, the after the Bogdanovich trade. I think that's very true. Yeah, yeah, I think exactly one or two games. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, this is the hardest one for me right now because we don't know anything about Jaden Ivey other than a game and a half of, of Summer League or thereabouts. Um, so I'm going to say this. It would be very hard for me today to bet this over. We haven't seen Ivey. Um, we are already seeing a little bit of nagging injury for Burks, who is a guy we need to play well for them to win games. Bogdanovich has been very solid the past three or four seasons, played a lot of minutes. But old guys get injured. We saw this with Olenek. And if if they don't come back strong, it can hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, Bagley's not in a contract year. Again, I'm playing skeptic devil, devil's advocate, right? Sadiq is still figuring a lot out. And uh, look, if I'm, if I'm a good team with a good defense, I am just double teaming Cade every chance that I get, right? So I'm having a hard time betting the over for all of those like reasons. Right now, this is subject to revision after we see the Pistons play a couple games, though. That, that's what I'm going to say for today. Yeah. I would also take the under with the acknowledgement that, like, 30 wins would be seven more wins than they had last year. Like, that that's a not insignificant that's, jump. That's a big jump, last. Let's be yeah. real. That's a big jump for one season. Yeah. And uh, I do think the talent on the team is a lot better than it was for, uh, for last season. But still, like, I would feel... It's like if this line were like 27 and a half, I would feel a lot better about taking the over than I do at 29 and a half. Uh, second, uh, partially related uh, over under, uh, Orlando's at 26 and a half. Do you think we win more games than Orlando? <laughs> I think we probably do because I think Orlando, if for no other reason than Orlando was probably still tanking a bit. Mm-hmm. But I got to say, some of that stuff I saw from Franz Wagner over the, the summer, like, I don't know, man. Dude, dude has dude has some game that I didn't see as a rookie. Yep. I mean, putting stuff up over Giannis in the summer. I don't know, man. Kid can play. He surprised me, and I'm a Michigan fan, so kid can kid can play a little bit. Yeah, adding Franz Wagner being uh, taking a leap uh, offensively and uh, bringing in the number one overall pick in Paulo. It's like that. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be close. It's gonna be close there. There are precious few bad teams in the East, which is why <laughs> another reason why I feel uh, feel good about betting the under on twenty nine and a half. It's going to be the Pistons might be competitive; they might be in a lot of games this year, but they're they're going to be outclassed uh, a lot of nights uh, for uh, during this season. I've right, been second over under Cade Cunningham points per game. Uh, I couldn't find uh, like DraftKings like prop for this, so I just like made up a number. <laughs> um, if you're like, "Hey, lads, like this number is it, X on FanDuel," like I'm sorry, like I, I just made this up. Twenty one and a half over under twenty one and a half points per game for Cade. All right, eighteen players in the NBA last season averaged twenty one and a half or more mm-hmm. last season, right? So previous rationale, I. I, I don't think this is about Cade for me as much as it is about the rest of the team. I think Cade is going to see so many double teams, triple teams, 10 eyeballs pointed directly at him, especially early in the season, while the rest of the roster is proving whether or not it can support him. So I'm going to go for the under 
because 82 games is a lot to average 21 and a half in a game, uh, 21 and a half points a game. Um, so I, I'm going to go the over, but I think it has as much to do with the rest of the roster as it does Cade. That's fair. Cade averaged 17, basically 17 and a half points last year and shot terribly from three and never got to the free throw, free throw line. We talked about uh, the improved strength uh, that he displayed, just like you know, walking around at media day. He looked stronger. He looked tougher. I think that will translate into more free throw attempts. He's a good free throw shooter. That's easy points. Um, we talked uh, a little about the strength and uh, his conditioning. Uh, he was very winded at the end of games last year and i expect that to be less of a problem this year you know obviously like these guys are professional athletes but you know it's still tired still tiring to play 35 minutes a night um but if he if he shoots you know better if he shoots more in the range of what we expected from him coming out of college and gets to the free throw line more he easily crosses that 21 and a half mark and so i would i would also bet the over um i think he leads this team in scoring and I think he, uh, I think he's set for a really, a really big year uh, for the Pistons. Hmm. Only eighteen players averaging twenty one and a half points is kind of interesting. I, I know I was surprised more. as well. There's a lot of guys who are just under that, but uh, hmm. yeah. I wonder if I put it at twenty. It was like all of a sudden you get like the uh, Harrison Barneses of the world or whatever. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of guys who are like between twenty and twenty one. Yeah, yeah. Was like, I think that makes it a good line then. So, yeah. It makes it just hard. You have to think twice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in that same vein, Jaden Ivey points per game. We've talked a little bit about how we don't know quite what to expect from Jaden Ivey. I put the uh, over-under for his points per game at 15 and a half. Uh, <laughs> ben, what do you think about uh, Jaden Ivey's uh, points per game? Oh, man, I have no idea what to do, and it's the Dwayne Casey <laughs> effect. <laughs> it's that short leash. I don't know how long it's going to be. I don't know how short it's going to be. Um, I have a feeling that the first 20 or 30 games, if, if Jay Nivey is on a short leash, this could, this could totally tank the points per game, right? I mean, if Alec Burks is playing 24 minutes a night for the first 30 games of a season, uh, that could really tank this. So I'm going to go over because I ultimately think, um, especially if Ivy gets out in transition a lot, I- I'm going to go for the over, but I think this is the riskiest of all of them for me. I think there's a real chance this is the under, but I'm going to bet the over because it's a beautiful day in Michigan. The sun is shining, and I'm feeling optimistic. <laughs> no, that's, that, that's a good as good a reason as any, especially since <laughs> money on this. Uh, I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go under. I am just as concerned as you are, but I also think that um, like Kate, we just talked about Kate average of 17 and a half last season. I think Ivy will have the ball in his hands less often than Kate did his rookie year. Um, I think he might be more efficient because of that, but I, I wonder if he'll uh, have the ball enough basically to score more than 15 and a half points per game. Um, you know, uh, there have only been a couple of rookies who have scored like 20 points per game their rookie year. I think people have like very high expectations for Jaden Ivey, like in that sense. Um, I would like to I'd just pump the brakes a little bit on that. I, I think Jaden Ivey is going to be a really good player, but it's definitely going to take him, I think, some time to find his footing against other NBA-level athleticism. With that said, though, Ben, Jaden Ivey, plus 700 to win Rookie of the Year at DraftKings. He's tied with number three overall pick Jabari Smith. Uh, obviously, Chet's off the board because he's not going to play. Yeah. I believe he had the second or third best odds to win Rookie of the Year. Uh, is that a good value? You put uh, ten bucks on that just to see uh, just to see what happens. That would shock me, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I feel like Kate, this this feels like Cade Cunningham's year. I mean, honestly, I, I feel like Cade is his shot, his star is going to shine really bright, and I I don't feel like I hope Jaden Ivey has a spectacular rookie season, but I feel like Cade is just going to outshine him, and I feel like it's going to be very hard for Jaden Ivey to have. Uh, that case to make to be perfectly honest yeah i i'm a big fan of paulo banchero i think he he looks like a guy who could score 20 points a night uh for the Orlando magic right away and generally if you accumulate a lot of counting stats like that'll get you a a long way in the rookie of the year race and so yeah i I would also have trouble betting on Jaden ivy but i hope it's like that's that's not bad value, and I know there will be a lot of uh, emotional hedging done by Pistons fans on the on that Jaden Ivey number. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so just making you aware of it. Uh, next over under is Sadiq Bay's three point percentage. I put it at thirty seven percent flat. Uh, rookie year, I think he was thirty eight percent. Second year is thirty four and a half percent. Ben, over under thirty seven percent from three from Sadiq Bay this season. Yeah, bounce back year for Sadiq from three. Uh, I, I think is realistic to hope for. Caden Jaden um, dribbling the basketball, penetrating, taking a little bit of load off Sadiq's creation necessities. Going to give uh, those legs for Sadiq a little bit of a break. That's going to lead to a bounce back. I'm going to I'm going to say this feels right, and I'm going to bet I'm going to bet the uh, bet the over on this one. Yeah, I we have gotten uh, we got the article from James Edwards the third uh, of the Athletic about how Sadiq has been impressive. In the early parts of training camp, he's been impressing a lot of coaching uh, or coaches, excuse me, uh, other players, just like people you see like watching practices. They're they're coming away impressed with Sadiq. I'm gonna bet the over on this as well. I, you know, I don't think he's going to suddenly be like a 42% three point shooter, but I do think that the increased attention that um, Guys like Cade Cunningham, guys like Boyan Bogdanovich, guys like Jaden Ivey will draw, will uh, give Sadiq the opportunity to shoot uh, a lot more open looks, and defenses will not be able to key in on him as easily. Um, and, you know, I think Sadiq would have been closer to that like 36, 37% mark last season if we cut out like the first six weeks of the season during which he like couldn't hit. Yeah anything couldn't hell or couldn't hit water if he fell out of the boat type of deal Mm -hmm. so uh i do think this is a big bounce back year for sadiq in terms of his three-point percentage and uh hopefully that's uh that's a really good thing for the offense uh i think that that, uh, that'll make a a big difference for a pistons team that struggled to score points uh at times last season all right ben uh jalen duran minutes per game uh this is going to be a tricky one uh, I don't think either one of us expect him to see real playing time coming out of the gate, but um, you know, d- at, towards the end of the season when there is less to be playing for, I expect to see Jalen Duran uh, playing consistent minutes. Uh, I put the over under at fifteen and a half for reference. Isaiah Stewart averaged twenty one and a half minutes per game in uh, his sixty eight games his rookie season. If you remember he came off the bench to start the year and then slowly won the starting spot over Mason Plumley. Uh, 15 and a half minutes for Jay, uh, for Jalen Dern, Ben. How do you feel about that? Yeah, because this is minutes per game and not total minutes played, mm-hmm. this feels like a pretty a pretty solid number. So here here's my rationale. I think by the time he is ready to play, you play him for two eight-minute stretches and you get 16 minutes per game. And so you bet the over on this, but there's going to be a whole lot of did not play coach's decisions yeah. <laughs> uh, on the uh, the stat sheet by the time the end of the season comes around, right? So uh, I, I think by the time you play him, you're pretty convinced that he's ready to play those seven to eight minute stretches at a time. And, and so that it's 15.7, 15.8 minutes a game, and that's where he lands. I would be, I would be interested to see if um... – he hits that 68 games played number that yeah, Stewart hit. I'd be shocked. Year. Yeah, I would, I would be surprised as well. But uh, Troy Weaver did come on. I think he was on 97.1 uh, interviewing. And the the big takeaway from that interview was that uh, he remains very high on Jalen Duren's uh, immediate impact for this team. You know, obviously, Troy is the GM and not the coach. And mm-hmm. Dwayne Casey will be more in control of uh, Jalen Duren's like, actual uh, game-to-game minutes. But uh, – it, I think it is uh, notable that the general manager has uh, so much confidence in an 18-year-old uh, center at the NBA level. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go under. Um, I think we might see uh, more. I think we'll see like a less established role for Jalen Duran to start. Um, spot minutes here. You know, maybe another big man sustains an injury and uh, he's all of a sudden thrust into the rotation. Um, but I do think that uh, by the end of the season, he's definitely he's definitely going to hit uh, over 15 and a half minutes um, like consistently. But I think the early season minutes are going to weigh down that average a little bit too much. And he hits under on that. But we both remain very, very high on what Jalen Duren can bring to this team in the future. Um, so that's not an indictment of him. It's more an indictment of Dwayne Casey not 
trusting an 18 year old uh, out of the gate. Get ready for some Nerland's Noel to start no. the season is what we're, this was what was what we're saying right now. I can't, I can't wait for people to be mad about that. It's <laughs> so funny. All right, Ben, uh, we talked a little bit about the shooting form. Killian Hayes, three point percentage, 31 and a half percent over under for his career. Killian has shot 26.8% from three. So even, even this number is a, is a big projection uh, in terms of uh, improvement for Killian. Uh, would you go over or under on 31.5% from three for Killian? I'd love to say over because I, I'm a Killian fan and I want him to get there, but I don't I don't think the first year, the first 82-game season, yeah. after reconstructing a shot is the year that that happens, so I'm going to go under. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I'm willing to go over, but not by a lot. Uh, I think something in like the 32, 32.5% uh, range is possible for Killian, uh, partially because I think his shot diet will look more like it did when he had success uh, early at last season. Lots of corner threes, corner threes yeah. lots of lots of off ball threes uh, before the thumb injury, um, and he was better at those than uh, off the dribble threes. Um, but I would be more interested to see uh, what how many attempts he gets up per game, how what what he feels like he has the freedom. To, to try uh, in uh, in terms of like attempts per game. Um, so I'm, I'm going to continue holding out hope that Killian can be an effective offensive player. And I'm going to say he shoots like 32 and a half percent from three. That's so, that's so low. Our expectations for Killian <laughs> remain just in the basement, but uh, I, I continue to think that he can hit those, uh, those very lofty expectations. All right, Ben, we talked about, uh, we talked about Isaiah Stewart stretching the floor. Uh, I have his over-under for a three-point percentage for the year at 36, 36 flat. Isaiah Stewart has shot a career 33% from three, and so this is this number is also trying to bake in a little bit of improvement. But to be fair, Isaiah Stewart, I think, has taken 109 career NBA three-pointers. And so, uh, you know, we're trying to bake in a little improvement, but do you think uh, he shoots 36% from three, Ben? Yeah, 109 is exactly correct. I have it in front of me right now because I'm, I'm looking at that. So here's what I'm going to say, Laz. I would love to see Isaiah Stewart shoot 34% on three attempts a game. No, like say, say, say he plays 80 games on three attempts, 240 shots. That's what I would love to see. So I forgot the overall under already. But that, that's what I would love to see. 34% on three attempts a game. What did you have? 36%. So I'm, I'm going to say under but I would I would say under with a dramatically increased volume. So he's going to triple his career his career attempts in one season, and I'm going to be okay with that. Yeah, I. Uh, I part of me wants to go over just because you went under. <laughs> I have some dramatic tension in the podcast, but I also think I have to go under. Um, if he shot 35 percent from three on increased volume, mm-hmm. like that would be that would be a pretty substantial jump for. Again, a guy who like has shot fewer threes than Steph has shot in a month, like for his career. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, I, but I do think the, I do think the the shot is real. I do think we talked like we talked about. He will be giving many many opportunities to shoot from three, and as we saw from summer league, like he seems confident in the shot. He seems ready to take them, um, and so we we hold out uh, hope that Isaiah Stewart will be. Definitely more effective than he's been in his career, but maybe not as effective as we'd like him to be from downtown. Uh, ben, your boy, Isaiah Livers. Minutes per game average, 20, 25 flat. 25 flat over under. Last season, in the 19 games he played, he averaged 20.2 minutes. He was very effective and uh, very impressive to the both of us in those 20.2 minutes per game. Uh, do you think he sees an increased role? Do you think he gets to 25 minutes a game uh, over under this season? Laz, where do you see him fitting positionality? Like, what's his long term position? Do you think? I think he's a. I think he's a wing, so he slides between the three and the floor in mm-hmm. bench lineups for this mm-hmm. team. Um, he's kind of fighting with uh, Hamadou Diallo for mm-hmm. those like three four minutes yeah. off the bench this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because of the shooting ability. And the uh, communication, the communication skills on defense, he showed in Las Vegas that uh, he will eventually, and probably at the beginning of the season, win out on that battle and be in a very solid bench role for this team right away. 
So if you're asking me, I would say over. I think he averages like in the neighborhood of like 25, 26 minutes per game. He's a very important uh, finisher for this team. Um, as as a guy who with the potential to shoot uh, as well from three as he does, like they're going to want to play him in a lot of different lineups because they only have, you know, three guys, him, Burks, and uh, Boyan, and Sadiq, if you want to throw Sadiq in there. So like three and a half guys that they really trust to to be operate as floor spacers for their young guards, and so like I, I definitely think like there's a big role in store for Isaiah uh, Livers this season. Yeah, I was curious to hear your thoughts about him playing um, three off the bench because I I was kind of leaning the same direction. I think um, pre Bogdanovich trade, this was an easy over. I think after playing Bogdanovich, maybe some of those minutes at the four disappear a little bit. But I, I think as long as he's playing some at the three, then I, I think 25, 26 minutes is, is about right. So I, I, I'll bet the over on the 26 part of that. All right. All right. That sounds good. All right, Pist- uh, excuse me, Ben. Last year, the Pistons offensive rating ranking. Um, so this is uh, the other – this is their position in relation to the other 30 NBA teams, not the number itself. Uh, last year, they were the 28th best offense in the NBA, a.k.a. the third worst offense in the NBA this re- uh, this season. Uh, do you think they're better? The, I have them at 23.5 for offensive rating ranking. So do you think they're the 22nd or better offense or the 23rd or worse offense in the NBA this season? So I think they're going to be better than a season ago, but I, I, I don't think they're going to make as big a jump here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go under. I think they'll probably jump two, two or three slots, but I, I don't think they're going to get that much better. I think there's still some, still some awkwardness, and I still think there's some youth that's going to cause some inconsistency. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, there's still some shooting woes, right? I mean, there's still some lineups where you look at them and you're just thinking, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't know about that offensively. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet the under, but they're going to be better than they were last season. I, I agree with that. I am not also not going to take the over. I'm going to take the under. But I do think that a an increase from like 28th to like 20 you know 24th. That's good. That's, not, that's pretty good. That's not yeah, that's, that's substantial. Good. You're eclipsing six whole other NBA teams that uh thought that they were going to be better on offense than they were last season as well. Um and so I I do think that um I do think that this Pistons team will uh be better offensively than they were last season, but still not a top third of the uh, NBA level offense. I think that's fair. Defensively, Ben, uh, the Pistons were the 24th best defense uh, in the NBA by by defensive rating. Uh, do we expect an improvement on that end? I have the number at 22 and a half. So do you think they're the 22nd best defense in the NBA? Or do you think they're the 23rd or worse defense, best defense in the league? So I'm going to surprise myself by taking the over on this, and this is largely Ooh. because I think I think perimeter defense is still going to be pretty bad. Yeah, but I think Dwayne Casey has proven to me over and over again that he gets more out of his defenses than the sum of the parts suggest he should be able to, and I think he's going to have, <laughs> for better or worse, the freedom to play his veterans more when he when he wants and needs to mm-hmm. and so he's going to be able to squeeze out some some points from that defense that are, are going to matter just enough to make his defense just good enough to, to get them over the hump and I, I still think some of those bottom three four five teams are going to be really bad still because they're going to try to lose so that's that's going to artificially bump the Pistons up a little bit so I, I think the Pistons defense is going to be better than people think and I'm, I'm talking myself into it a little bit to justify this bet. Is <laughs> what I'm doing, but, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna say over. I'm gonna say over. No, I like it. I like it. Uh, I I agree with you. I am also going to go over. If you before I looked this up, I was like, oh, they were probably like the they were like the 28th best offense. They were probably like the 26th or 27th best defense. Seeing them as high as 24th was surprising to me. Just, I did not feel like they were a quote unquote like good defensive team last year, and you know twenty four still not good, but that's much better than I was expecting. Um, and so, if you asked me, you know, this season what I would expect, you'd be like, oh, like I would expect an improvement to somewhere in the twenty four range. And so, you know, I feel better about bumping them up from my expectations. Just again, based on the 
what you talked about, the minutes allocation to vets instead of kids, the kids learning how to play defense a little bit better at the NBA level. You know, not not Jaden Ivey and Jalen Dern, obviously, but I think Kate Cunningham will be a better NBA defender than he's been uh, last season. I think uh, we saw some big strides made from Isaiah Stewart defensively, and obviously he will have a big role for this team. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think they end up like the 22nd or 21st best defense in the league and surprise a lot of people on that end for sure. All right, that's the that's the end of over-unders. I will try and preserve these somewhere so that we can come back to them at the end of the season and be like, oh, man, like, what were those guys thinking? Yeah, but, interesting. Uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll move forward. Uh, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about, Ben, because we haven't talked about this, and I figured it's a fun note to end the show on, the jerseys. Yeah. The jersey. reveal of a bunch of different new jerseys for this Pistons team. So let's start with the teals, Ben. You you are you are a uh, Pistons. No, you're not necessarily like the level of his Pistons historians like Keith Black is on Twitter. True, true. But you do remember when uh, when they wore the teals and that transition. Have those memories scarred you enough? <laughs> Who are not in favor of the teals right now, or are you are you going to be positive about them? So it's not so much that I'm a historian as it is I am an artifact of history that turns forty <laughs> in a few months. <laughs> so I like the teals, but honestly, I I would like them more at like five games, maybe seven games. I think ten games is what where we landed. Mm-hmm. I think it's fun to to bring back the history of the franchise, no matter what it is. So, like, I'm a fan of bringing it back regardless. So, I like it uh, for that reason. So, I'm, yes, bring, bring it back. But five five games will be enough for me. That's fair. That's fair. I will be interested to see if they wear the teals on the road or if there's just going to be ten home games of the teals. Mm-hmm. That's like a full – if because if it is, that's, that's a, a full quarter of the home games. Like, that, yeah, that's that'd a be lot. a lot of home games. Um, and I know I'm a, I'm a big fan of the classic whites, right? Like, yep. you know, I like seeing them. Yeah, and they've the NBA has mixed it up where you're wearing your what would be traditionally your away colors at home, and it's gotten confusing. Yeah, definitely. Um, the uh, the other uniform we've seen revealed so far are the uh, the statement unis. That's the black ones with the uh, red and blue stripe across the middle. Uh, what, how are you feeling about those, Ben? So I actually love these. Are these really device? I love them. Yeah. Okay. What what did you love about them? Just the the boldness, the color. Where, where, why uh, why do you love them? So I think it's the contrast of the colors, right? The really dark background, the bright white red foreground. Um, I think the fact that they're so different, mm-hmm. they don't look like anything else. I, I mean, it's it's taste, right? It's purely subjective. I just like the way they look. All right, no, I'm I am also a fan of these. Um, I I want to see how they look on television. Um, we saw some pictures of them where the jerseys looked black. We saw some pictures where the jerseys looked like very, very dark navy blue. Um, and I'll be curious to see how the colors pop on TV, right? With the stripes, sometimes if like where the camera's positioned is so far away that like you don't really get that pop, um, and some something you get like if you were a little bit closer. Um, so I hope I hope they look good on TV because I like the way they look in like the promotional materials. For mm-hmm. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And then last but not least, this is not uh, this is not a new jersey. It is the uh, absence of <laughs> the jersey they've been using. Ben, the grays are gone. Hallelujah. Yeah, get rid of them. Just burn all of them. Those were some atrocious uniforms. It felt like the Pistons were like zero and fourteen in games in which they wore the grays. They were cursed. I'm glad to be forever rid of them, for sure. All right, but in the schedule, the Pistons have games scheduled yeah, let's go. this week. Uh, they play the Knicks on Tuesday in their first preseason game, and then they play Friday against the Pelicans, who just extended two of their guys, uh, CJ McCollum and Larry Nance. Mm-hmm. Very good. They must feel very good about that team coming in. Uh, you know, I don't care about the record for preseason games. I don't care if they win these preseason games, but um, is there anything in particular you'll be looking for in, especially like the first preseason game where we assume like everybody's going to play and it's going to be the closest to an actual regular season game. Well, of course, Jaden Ivey. I mean, that's the big thing. We saw so little of him during the summer league because the injury, uh, Cade Cunningham, is he going to be shooting the three? Is he going to be finishing at the rim? Those two things jump out. Presumably we'll see some, uh, some Duran, right? I mean, we're going to see the whole the whole roster, I hope. 
Mm-hmm. What, what does Duran look like uh, against a little bit more full speed NBA competition? Those, those are the three biggies for me. And well, I guess we'll see too. Isaiah Stewart, maybe he's shooting some threes. So we'll, we'll hopefully see all of that. Definitely. I'll, I'll be curious to see what the like bench rotation looks like. It's like, we have, we have a pretty clear idea of what the stars are going to look like. Um, but like, you know, the positional battles we talked about between like, Isaiah Livers and Hamadou Diallo and you know where are they playing Marvin Bagley next to Nerlens Noel is Nerlens Noel even in the rotation it's like we know the way Casey loves Corey Joseph like where, <laughs> where's, where's Kojo like he's got to be around here somewhere and so I'll be really curious to see like what uh what bench lineups they end up using and like what we interpret that as meaning that they think they need off the bench like as a complement to the starting lineup so I'll be curious to see what the rotation is and I'm sure we'll talk about that on the pod I can't wait Ben, it's been, it's been good to see you, man. And uh, we we are doing like video, so we can see each other. But like my video camera is super messed up, so I'm just like I'm a big shadow right <laughs> now. So Ben can't see me, yeah, but I can right. see Ben. Uh, but yeah, it's it's good to see. You. It's good to talk to you. I can't wait for the season to start and for us to be more consistent about the pod. Uh, let the people know where they can find you, where they can talk to you about the Pistons this upcoming season. Yeah, I took a, a bit of a sort of hiatus on twitter yeah i mean me too it's just like it's fine what's there to talk about yeah. at br golker on twitter uh detroit bad boys comment section particularly on the podcast post game threads are always fun too i'm trying to hop on some of those this year as well uh, yeah let's talk let's talk pistons we're back at it starts tuesday let's go let's go yeah and of course you can follow me on twitter at last chances at l-a-z-c-h-a-n-c-e I have to start working on some uh, player previews uh, that promised Sean Corp, our fearless leader, that I would uh, hammer out. Um, now that now that the kid is like finally in a good rhythm, is like I feel like I can start writing again. I do miss writing, so I think you'll see more stuff from me this season, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the season. This is this is the most excited I've been for a season uh, in quite some time, and yeah. I, I can't wait to see how these guys uh, play this year. Uh, of course, you should follow the podcast uh, you know, on Detroit Bad Boys. You should follow Detroit Bad Boys. You should go to Detroit Bad Boys for all your Pistons news and analysis this season. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you all. Ooh, uh, next week, I won't be here. I have a wedding in uh, Mackinac. Uh, congratulations to Katie and Kenton. Um, so I will not be here, but we will, we will work out if there's going to be another episode or not this week. But after that, it's like I don't have any more weddings in the future. And so, like, we, we will be back on our normal schedule uh, weekly coming out on Mondays. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll talk to you later. See you.